4: I freaking hate him.
1: Nasty ass.
0: No, I'm, just, that was I'm like sick. like an ASMR bottle crack. I got the mic right up right up close to the
1: action. Oh, my fault, Andrew. Whoa. Nice. Whoa, 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 whoa. If Andrew spilled right there, I still would have blamed him, not me. I know, I know. <laughs>
3: Then episode. I told everybody that it was me the whole time.
1: Episode one
0: five two of <laughs> yes, the Howlers podcast had our one fiftieth and one fifty first episodes over the weekend, both live watches. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. I'm in a lot of For pain sure. during the second one, uh, but just like everything else, we get through it, guys. What are we drinking? You want to go first? Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking lunch and an IPA from Maine Beer Company that comes right out oh. the bottle. They say drink it fresh, and I always do. <laughs> I don't even wait till I get home. Sometimes so I crack it walking home. Paper bag. it. I'll just paper bag it, baby. Uh, Andrew,
3: I'm drinking the same one from last week. I, oh, I bought yeah. a four pack. So. That one kind of got you. I it's good. Just,
0: yeah.
2: I
3: don't want to reveal you to the audience. So you did say you kind of halfway through you were like, "Whoa!" Oh, a yeah. little waving. It's a little strong um chasing satellites double dry hop new england double ipa really good good can mass landing brewing company
1: i'm drinking a cloud candy it's pretty and and oh if i make it to the mango Assia, i might get really full at chipotle before this so (laughs) i don't want
2: to like explode heavier beer yeah
0: i would have started mango and then
3: finished with the heavy stuff actually wait maybe yeah maybe that's it doesn't matter which way you go they're both pretty light the both really good. Light, so. Those
0: are maybe two of the like the the flagship beers from Mighty Squirrel, yeah, who always yeah. reply to us.
3: <coughs> yeah. So shout
0: out, we
2: love them. They have a new tab going on up top too. It's square, not round. Mm-hmm. Ooh. What does that like mean? What is I it? don't know.
1: <laughs> Easier grip, Keeps maybe.
0: Keeps it fresher.
2: Easier grip. <laughs> Hip to be square. Uh, Connor. Apple pie scraper night shift takes me about three months to finish a four-pack, so I'm uh, <laughs> okay. working on that. <laughs> Do it at your own pace. Is that your like,
1: second? Yep. yep, this is number two. Just so. like Virgil
0: van Dyke. hey, defend at your own pace this season. Yeah. Whatever works for you. <laughs> <laughs> Bum-ass.
2: Not my best. Poor and Trent too. And Trent too. Bum-ass, yeah, too. you're right, Andrew. We've almost throwing rocks from a glass house right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Actually, very little went right for me football wise this weekend. Almost nothing, but <laughs> points went extremely well. I got three correct score lines. Wow. United was one. Newcastle one nil was the other, and uh, Brentford two 0 So shout out to those is three that, clubs. Is is that, that, uh,
2: that's gonna he's gonna be pushing. <clears throat> is that a
0: high? Yeah. Is that a
1: howler like club record? I
0: think Connor still has the <laughs> weekly record. I think we used to get like 17, 16. I think sometimes we'd hover up there. Maybe just we're starting to lose it. What do you
1: think has, has had the most perfect scorelines, so like though? Three's got to be up there. Three's got to be
2: it. Three's got to yeah, be close.
0: I think, I think that's correct. It was kind
2: of nuts. kind of need a lot to get up in those mid-teens.
0: Yeah. Again, it was a total <laughs> consolation prize for me. Uh, I got 13. I was the winner. Uh, Connor or Andrew, you had nine. So respectable week for you as well. Nice. Uh, Connor and Jalen, six each. So, that's not,
1: honestly, that's I a lot of like that. You did worse? Yeah, I, oh, yeah. The way you were talking in the beginning of the weekend, I was like, <laughs> yeah. ah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah, I, you know me. I can be a little dramatic at times. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't the best showing for either of you guys. But just like Leeds oh. United, next week you might put up four and beat the best team on the planet. But uh, we'll jump back into it. Uh, Andrew. Yes. I'd say that we haven't put you to the sword enough. And like I'd said in our group chat earlier, now – other shows are starting to get onto this. We need to get onto it too. United are legitimate title contenders. You've been almost religiously on the fence about this, not really wanting to refer to them. I understand that. I get it, I do. But for me personally, and I think for these two times up, it's time to start looking at this team seriously as a title contender. Do you think are you buying into this? You have to be. You are.
3: I've decided that you are. So <laughs> No, I'm not buying into it. Um, we so have. I don't think we are title <laughs> contenders. That's not me fence sitting. Uh, it is. No, it's yeah. not. Me fence sitting
2: would be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we are. Maybe like that's fence sitting. You don't think no, you win think, the league this year? I think you fence sitting is you setting expectations at the bottom of the barrel and then just no. Just I, think, expecting I anything. think I think we'll be there, but I think what does that? Where mean? is there? What does that I mean? Think, <laughs> I know
3: I think we'll be behind city that's, and Arsenal. That is
0: fence sitting. No, Look, no. I let you talk, but saying I think we'll be there. That's not. Let's just say, i <laughs> no, no,
2: politicians
0: no, right. said words, but no
3: substance. No, I think I think. We'll be pick like a place in the table. 3rd We'll be third, okay. but we're not going to be tight. We'll be City, Behind two. Be City Arsenal contending t- t- for the league. I think that's going to be the, the, the no, top teams. No, I don't think Newcastle. I think Newcastle mm-hmm. will trickle off eventually. Mm-hmm. I think the league will go. So third. I think we'll finish third of this season. Yeah, yeah legitimately. Any and silverware? What do you feel yeah, like? I think we'll, we'll, we'll win a domestic cup. Which mm-hmm. one? FA Cup? I won FA Cup. That would be but wild. I, th- I think we'll win the EFL Cup because we obviously will get to that final before right. we get the FA Cup oh, so I hope they lose us. I think what we'll, was
2: your draw? You had you drew a uh, We drew a pretty
3: decent team for the yeah. semifinals.
2: There's no there's no non league teams left to draw. <laughs> no, man. but in the other in the no, other game, like out of all the teams that are left, we well, it's drew, Newcastle. Is it Southampton? You just beat Everton. That was like you drew, the first you
0: drew a team that's not in the Premier League for your next round of yeah, which is the, the FA S- Cup, is I believe. The semi,
3: which is the semis or quarters? Spurs
0: did too. They drew Preston North End. Big draw. No yeah. FA Cup.
2: Isn't that <laughs> we got to go <laughs> away though, so that's EFL scary. Cup is that's you're in the semifinals. No, that's what no I'm bar, saying. no. Yeah, FA Cup is not like, good. Still flut. Oh, that's what I said. I said. we're in the semifinals yeah. for the EFL Cup. It's like I want to say it's like Southampton. Let me pull you. That's what I think. You look it up, but isn't it Northampton? Oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll just finish,
3: finish my point. but like Yeah, yeah, finish up. I think we'll finish third. We'll win a domestic cup, and that is way higher uh, of a result for the season than I thought we would be. For sure. And, yeah, I think we're going to be in that third to fourth range. I don't think we'll lose that spot. I just think where Arsenal are at being so far ahead, like you look at Gary Neville being like, don't think Arsenal are going to run away with it, or they're not going to win. Like he's basically shooting them down in a position when they're in a position that mm-hmm. is clearly like teams have done this. Yeah, teams have bottled it. Liverpool did it. Um, not like taking shots. With it. There's a history of players what bottling it, it. And, but I, I I still feel like this Arsenal team is just so good, mm-hmm. and they're so clinical. They get the points. They're doing this. They're doing it the City way. Showing up to a stadium away doing or home, the damn thing. And getting points. So. I think they're too good on a run at this point in the season. I think they're going to stay ahead, with City just behind them throughout the season.
1: But I don't know, man. I can I, I can definitely see a shakeup. You think you it's think a shakeup
3: meaning
0: United <laughs> could jump the teams that are ahead of them right now? Jay, what uh, do you
1: think? Uh, you, you think United could seriously do this? Well, I already I said in the group chat. I don't think they're title contenders. I think mm. I was saying I was saying that like as of right now, like. Even though I just said like I can see Arsenal losing it later. As of right now, I don't see Arsenal losing it. Mm. Like they're just wait, they're just way too advanced in their tactics, everything. Like, yeah. gonna light
0: myself on fire. I'm not even. You see <laughs> the video I of
3: Jaka. You see the video of Jaka talking talk his players, um, in the warm up, and he's, you know, he looks very, he looks like a leader, like a true, a true leader for them. I think all, they have leaders all over the pitch. I think Arsenal are just too good at the moment. I don't think they're going to drop it, and I don't think United are going to be
2: up there. But what's separating United from being contenders? Because if you look at Arsenal... We're not, we're not. If you look at Arsenal of last season, though, no one was thinking they'd come in and be title contenders. So if you have the manager in place, how many more pieces I, do you need to add? This I, Arsenal yeah. team, yes, they added players, but like it wasn't that many, and then all of a sudden this team, this team came out and they're just taking the prem by storm. No one expected it. So it's like, I think we just, we still scrap wins. We don't play perfect football. Yeah, we get wins,
3: but I think it that only gets you so far to a point where you're going to drop points to a team like Brentford, um, even a team in the mid-tables like Palace. I, I still feel like this United team isn't the perfect blend yet
0: I like that question though what so what specifically and I, and and not to like hold you to the sword but is there I, something you can think of that would be an addition that would would convince you that they're I think more could, time be, under
3: more time under Ten Hag I think Arsenal have had enough time under Arteta for those tactics to be Fully implemented Where the team is Completely bought in And they know their roles I still feel like This United team doesn't But
0: player wise I mean are there any Are any
3: no, I don't Positions think... in United Where you think Maybe an
0: upgrade Would take you to the next level Just hypothetically speaking Maybe in a wing back role And that's no disrespect To the current wing backs no. Both of them have been good But Would can... you go into next season Wanting to be a title contender With Luke Shaw And Dalo as your wing backs or, or Malcia Do you not think Maybe you could go Maybe get another defender In that regard Another good no,
3: midfielder think... I think a number nine is really the only thing we're really missing from this team. I mean, we're clearly showing we can be in the top four. I just think with more time, with Ten Hag, like Ten the longer the squad has with Ten Hag, the more they'll be brainwashed by his tactics and what he wants from them and they'll know the roles. We'll have better players off the bench. I think maybe more investment on a depth level. Yes, Arsenal don't have that, but I just feel like what Arteta has done since he's been there, it has gotten to this point. Yeah, we weren't expecting it, but sometimes you don't have to expect it for it to happen. And they may have have gone in thinking, like, this is going to be a season where we can push for it while everybody else was really just kind of brushing them off as, yeah, they play good football from from time to time. But personally, I just think there's more time that's needed for this squad. There's, There's things to be worked out still. There's still remnants of our sloppy play. Players, you know, just... Just unable. To, it's kind of like we're like panicking at times in midfield. We're in possession, we lose the ball really easily. Players check out. So I still feel like that's something you need to wash away from the squad completely, and that's not going to happen this season. And I, you can't expect it to happen. Look at us this earlier in the season. We lost to Brentford. We lost to um, who else did we lose to in the beginning of the season? Um, we had some shocking losses. So.
2: Connor a Manchester
3: United title win would affect you probably the most negatively
0: do you feel like they're realistically contending right now
2: no I think I mean Andrew has a point in being that they need more time under Ten Hag as great as this Arsenal team has been I still see them as a bit of an anomaly as far as all the credit to Arteta all the credit to the players that are showing up Odegaard Saka but when you look at like comparing it to the likes of City that was able to string title after title, this Arsenal side coming out, say they go and win the title this season, do it in a grand fashion, maybe even hit 90-plus points on the season. Next season, I would still have hesitation because of how quickly they came to be. I mean, it took time under Ten Hag, but same with United. So it's like they could all of a sudden hit form like they're doing under Ten Hag. It seems like they they were in a better position than when Arteta came into Arsenal. Yeah, uh, Better squad. I don't think they had fallen as far. Obviously still playing European football. And Ten Hag has made improvements faster than Arteta did um, because of that position that he was put in. So... Maybe next season United is title title contender. I think next we'll season we are. It. I think next season we definitely what? are.
3: But um, you need to bring in a striker. We need to bring in a striker. Maybe another center back. Mm. Uh, another fullback potentially. Another but that center back. But yeah, I think we. I think it could. Think, I, mean, I think on club, a, I could, think anything anything could be done. A, I think on a depth yeah. level. I think someone to fill in for Martinez and Veron, mm. We're going to lose McGuire eventually. Um, God willing. But,
1: I think you need to fill <laughs> someone for Erickson. Yeah, I
2: think you need depth.
3: Yeah, there's midf- the midfield um, selections. You know, Fred's been playing well. But that's,
2: I think, like, if you want to compare yourself to the Arsenal team and praise Ten Hag as as much of a manager or as Arteta, Arteta got some players. Ten Hag has already got some players. So it's like to be that Arsenal side, if you're going to develop that quickly, it's going to be more so with the players you have right now. Than it is bringing in player after player. No,
3: I don't think. I don't think we need to. I'm not saying these players need to come in and be a starting eleven squad. I think the investment we make over the summer will be investment for just a depth, a team with more depth. While we mm-hmm. keep the players that have gotten us to this point, you know, the true core of the team. Um, and yeah, well, I think the, the biggest position to fill is the number nine for like a, a starting player. Come yeah. the summer
2: and but, Nottingham as your EFL semifinal. It's not a bad draw.
3: Not a bad draw. I think. I think. Newcastle EFL, will place south. I think EFL trophy and third place was, was e, the other. Was the, nice the other side of that?
2: Finish. Newcastle Southampton. That's kind of sick. It's going
3: to be a Newcastle. I. I, mean, I hope Newcastle I, win a title. I hope it's Newcastle United, like Manchester United Newcastle
1: final. I, I, you know, Andrew's going to do that thing where like United loses, but he's going to be like, "Dude, Newcastle
2: still won, bro." Yeah, yeah come literally. On. I, don't, I, 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 <laughs> I would know, maybe even. Thing, like, I would maybe.
0: I would maybe take Newcastle in that game, and that's taking nothing away from United, but the thing I've praised Newcastle the most for this season has have just been how difficult they are to beat. They just don't lose games. They might not win a lot of games. They have a few draws, but still only one loss domestically on the year, which is pretty insane. Up there with Arsenal. So Is that a Q, Q
3: Rashford Instagram highlight? <laughs> <Yeah>. For real. <laughs> Pull them up. Inspire the
0: people because that's what's going to be needed. A brilliant Rashford performance to get right, by. Dan, watching that in August, like the, <laughs> yeah. the preseason one. The I was t- like, the we were of like titanium. Yeah, we were yeah. like, Jesus Christ.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, he's put in work. Now
0: Andrew did some research, and I don't want to rob him of the glory of telling us what he found out. You mentioned some new players coming in. New owners are a big part of the new players. Jim, Jim Ratliff, I believe is his name, right? Yes, Ratcliffe or Ratliff? Let's let's get this
3: Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe, my fault, yes. Jim. Um, Yes, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. uh, He's one of the, I think he's the richest British um, businessman, sir. So um, he's a billionaire. The Queen's Um,
0: like, you are rich as fuck. You are (laughs)
3: knighted. So he owns Enios, which is. um, We all know the household name. It is a global manufacturer of petrochemicals. Petrochemicals, (laughs) right. Of course we do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Specialty (laughs) chemicals and oil products. But he also has Enios Sports and eneo sports owns uh nice which is in france obviously fc lausanne in switzerland uh and racing club abidjan which is in in the ivory coast very cool um very and this is this is a this is from their website i pulled this from their website uh, This is for Enios football specifically. The ambition is to have successful and sustainable football clubs with success in their respective leagues with the ability to reach European competition. At the same time, it's expected that whilst the clubs are run federally like any other Enios business, they'll work together to optimize opportunities. This can be expected to encompass scouting player assessment and acquisitions as well as medical and fitness. A key focus is on the development of top young talent across all the clubs, providing critical pathways for the development, we are committed in the long term to the development and growth of the of our clubs, our players, and our coaching staff at all levels to be sustainable franchises. The clubs must also excel on their commercial activities. So, Ineos Sports, Ineos Sports, and they also are involved in cycling and other other different um, uh, F
1: one. So. Okay, I don't know about the other two, but Nice has been fairly successful. Exactly. Yeah, he's,
4: yeah, yeah. So, is this, is this really maybe
0: well. United joining in addition to all those clubs, or is he maybe
3: going to focus more on United? I believe so. And another plus about this is um, Jean Claude Blanc is he's the CEO of the sports business side of Enios. Mm. Uh, he was formerly with PSG on a marketing level. Um, and he was the Juventus CEO at the time when when they were at their lowest when they got relegated. And he actually redeveloped the squad, the technical staff. Um, he renegotiated all major business contracts and improved the financial health of the club. And he was vital in the new stadium for Juventus. And they're actually mm-hmm. they were the first stadium to be built since 1990, and are the only stadium to be uh, privately owned in the country. So that's kind of sick. He, yeah,
1: he is a. That's a lot of money.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, a billion is it, a lot of money. He was yeah. there for I think like. 10 years maybe, um, and then he now is with Enio Sports. He joined in December. So those are positives from outside the club. To
0: completely paraphrase over the top, he has a lot of experience working in a football. A lot of experience.
3: I don't know how, how involved he'll be with Manchester United. Like, I don't know what his role would be if they were to buy the club. I mm. think, obviously, he has a commitment to Enio Sports, focus on all of all things sports. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, yeah, so it was officially announced amongst the spokesperson of Ratcliffe that they have signed up to purchase Manchester United, um, and bids will roll on in February with the club to be expected by the summer. So
0: Sounds like it's definitely snowballing in a positive way, yeah. as a lot more legs than maybe other rumors have had in yeah. the past, but... <clears throat> I don't know. I, I want to keep it relatively focused on United, but it seems like there's quite a few clubs that could potentially be going through rapid changes of ownership. United seems like it might be the first one to be doing that, but a, yeah. bit, a bit overdue. Yes, Ronaldo, it's long overdue, but it's definitely overdue at this point.
3: Well, according to The Athletic, where I got some of the insights on like you know, when the bid's going through and and when it's expected to be sold, Ratcliffe was involved. Um, he was hoping to buy Chelsea over the summer or mm-hmm. before Bowley, whenever that was done, before Bowley got in. Um, but clearly the, I forget which company.
0: Todd Bowley bought him out. Yeah. Uh,
3: what, personally. What his um, consortium was called. But yeah, he was involved with the Chelsea situation, but then he had made a statement that he was hoping that, you know, United would be open for, for investment and for purchase. But at the time it wasn't. He's like, I can't wait around forever. Uh, but, you know, he met the Glazers. He said they were great people. He said they're good gentlemen. That's what I quoted saying that. But, Overall, I think it'd be uh, beside what I list. Besides what I listed in terms of a, a footballing business, that's huge. But he's a Manchester United fan, which goes a long way. He was there in '99 when they won the Champions League against Bayern Munich, so he is a boyhood fan. I think that's it's one thing to be such a, an excel in business, but when you have your heart in a club, that means you only want the best for it. So hopefully, those two blend together to make the perfect recipe of ownership. Obviously, Manchester United is the biggest club. You can't get everything right, so there'll be. There'll be adjustments. Ownership. There'll be a comes massive
0: of, magnifying glass under yeah, everything he does, too. Exactly. Much more so than at Nice or at either of the other clubs mm-hmm. that he's involved yeah. with. But the timing is maybe a little bit weird to me, I guess. Not weird in any negative way, but um, the fact that he's been a United fan his whole life and... It seems like he's just now entering. The, well, he said he, There was previous business that almost got done. Chelsea, yeah. But yeah. He was
2: also one of the names thrown in the hat when FSG was looking for. Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: he's just been waiting really patiently for the right Premier League move, and now I mean, it
2: makes sense when you're going to be spending that kind of money. And yes, right. the wealthiest Brit is naturally going to be linked to every prem club up for investment or sale. Exactly, um, but him being a United fan obviously puts him over the edge. And I mean, eighty percent of business is building the relationship so like yeah. if he has that relationship established with fans he's already going to cater to it more than the glazers so it's kind of i would say best case scenario if you're a fan
3: yeah i think i'm excited i think um if this is to go through it it can only be better than what the glazers have done because yes while they've been there on an investment level we've missed that um personalization level of ownership to coaching staff to board member to coaching staff to like it's there seems to be a disconnect between the two which leads to a lot of issues and also I think the American aspect of ownership in in English football has been kind of tainted with obviously the Glazers but we're seeing it even more so now with Todd Bowley yes Americans have done it right there's there's good American owners in English football but I think it's time for a switch up for United especially because of I mean how much of a commercial club it's been more of a and it's been more of a football club.
2: I so, wonder. I wonder if he got he would have to sell some of OG Nice in order to own. I, I
0: almost think it would it would look better if the fans knew he was more devoted to only Manchester United. I understand there's an impossible number of nuances to that, and till forever, in order for his business to work, he needs to be probably involved in a few different clubs, but. I don't know because they're such a, a passionate, slightly hard-headed fan group that has a lot of pride, right? More pride than a lot of other fan bases, and rightfully so because they have the most history, technically. But that—that's just one thing that I—I I feel like I can, don't think that would need to happen. I don't well, know
2: from a from a I think that legal go, standpoint. I think uh, yeah. it like would go against Champions League or UEFA guidelines. Yeah, if they were to face each other, both as clubs played each other. Wow, Mi- Milan was like. Um, one of the teams or their ownership group was kind of just shouted with Liverpool when I was doing the research back Mm -hmm. when they first were open to bids. And, like, because they had a majority share in AC Milan and would then be majority share in Liverpool, like, it wouldn't be – it would disqualify one of the teams from, like, Champions League. Well, he could still – I mean, I don't understand the business aspect,
1: but he could still have his hands in these, like – yeah well young. he
2: could own forty percent of the club as long as he doesn't own majority shares. I don't know what the structure they could be outright owners for a club like that but it it's hard to know and i, that's I, I, what, don't, I, I
3: don't I don't think that would be an issue though because I feel like it would have been stated
2: especially math well like, yeah. what if he's personally He's buying. purchasing Enios
3: is, is the is the if his group
2: the, is if Enios is the group that owns Nice, but he's personally buying United. That might be a loophole. Like I no Enios is
3: buying. You know, like they're they're entering the bid. They entered the. Purchase and I bounce. don't know
2: if it's different when it comes to groups, but I'm pretty sure that that's like
3: no. It makes sense. Like that that would be a conflict of interest, and it would be a weird situation. Because anything
2: that. that jeopardizes the integrity of a competition is like that's just a no-no well, yeah 100 percent. well
1: niece is 10th so they don't have to worry about <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
2: this
0: guy seems kind of super leaguey to me in a way uh no i don't think so eh, I, don't, I mean he's not money's I think, money I Look, think, i'm not like anti-billionaire but like if yeah. that guy who's that wealthy comes in, I feel like he, they, he's that wealthy because he invests in things and makes them better largely. Yeah. I'm just saying, if when this thing rears its head again and he's on board with it, I'm not going to be I mean, totally surprised. My owner yeah. will be too. So, uh, guilty, you know, not throwing any shade, but that's yeah. one thing I thought when this guy got announced, I was like,
1: Seems like he might fancy a Super League run. Listen, whenever you see a dark corner, just imagine Florentino. That's what I'm saying. Like they probably fly <laughs> together. All it took He's was one, the one <laughs> flight on the
0: Emirates overnight to London one night. They just happen to be sitting next to each other. Say, so, hey, I'd like to propose an ah, idea. Oh, yeah, that guy you. that's buying United. Yeah. I have a whale of an idea for you, <laughs> sir. We got three hours for me to tell you about it. But
2: yeah, but, overall, we'll see what happens. I have a UEFA rules. This states that no two clubs or more participating in a UEFA club competition may be directly or indirectly controlled by the same entity or managed by the same person.
0: I mean, you listen to our podcast long enough. You're going to learn something. Yeah. Shout out to Connor for the very applicable fact. I mean, that's something I would have never thought of. Like so actually, but I would that, wonder it.
1: How would the bank of Saudi Arabia be able to own all these teams? Then they probably don't own majority share. That's just not, that can't be true. What what clubs do they own? Well, weren't the guys that own Newcastle, or weren't the people that own PSG trying to buy a club too? Like, isn't Newcastle trying to buy a club too? Like, The owners of Newcastle? They, yes, like, wouldn't they, like... I don't know. There's definitely loopholes to
2: that rule. Well, also, like, consortiums can be probably split up and it's still the same money. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> so, so corrupt. <laughs> yeah, it really is.
0: <laughs> Man, without all this damn money involved, we might actually have some fun every once in a while. <laughs> Gotta find some other currency or something. Interesting question. We bring things over to the blue side of Manchester, where they were feeling blue this weekend. <laughs> I don't know where this question got got raised from. From somewhere from the bowels of Twitter, Twitter probably. I saw, I saw it on Twitter. Twitter, yeah. That, that that makes sense. Yeah, then- um would City be more successful without Erling Holland? He's the league leader in goals one of the world leader in goals, if not the world leader in goals in all comps, certainly must be domestically. Mm -hmm. But there's something missing to City this season. There seems to be, as Ilkay Gundogan said, we have part of the recipe is missing. I'm paraphrasing a bit. But is he making them, in a way, a bit of a worse side? Do you guys think there's any validity to that?
3: I don't think he is.
2: I think there's validity in it. I think the argument can be made. I think it's in other areas.
3: Yeah, so do I.
0: Okay, so two, we got a yes, a kind of maybe, but essentially yes. And I would say no, I'm on Andrew's side. But uh, Connor, what, so since you seem to be the most opposed to it, what are some ways you think that he's made them actually a worse side?
2: I mean, just watching. Soon. No
0: wrong answers, by the way.
2: So I'm not <laughs> Just saying, spitballing, I'm not guys. saying that this is a clearly proven message or philosophy. I mean, there's an, there's no problem, dude. Shout it out. No well, wrong I said answers. The, I said the argument could be made. Open your damn ears. See, we're
0: already. This is what I wanted to avoid. All right. Look at
2: City this season. Okay. They are one dimensional. Be more specific. In what way? If you take Erlen Holland out of that side, where would the goals come from? Jay mentions their wingers aren't as dynamic, but say Holland goes down with an injury. Um, Say he all of a sudden loses his finishing touch that has been about as good as a player's finishing touch can be. But. Beyond that, if City are faced to play without Holland, do they really have that edge? Can We're anyone bottle. can anyone in that team pick up the slack?
0: Well, did they not win a title without having an out and out true goal goal scoring striker? The winger's potency, and this is just me playing devil's advocate. The winger's advocacy might be that because they have fewer chances to score because their offense is now centered through the top middle of the of the park, they don't get as many chances. So. If I were to advocate for them, that's what I might argue. Also, again, they did win a title without a striker. Right. They also
3: scored like four goals against Chelsea the other day. It was 4-0. I mean, when they beat Chelsea the right, first time We're talking a battered Chelsea team. It doesn't matter. They still can get goals. I mean, Mahrez scored. Grealish was in the assist pool for that. I think that goals can come from them. It's just a matter of... I think your point's right. That they are one-dimensional, but it's a matter of how quickly can they switch off of that and go into a system that they're used to, like last season, being more dynamic. And I think that is possible with City. I just think they haven't been able... Apt- they haven't needed to do that as much. Um, and I think if they have a couple games where they need to be more fluid within the front three, it's city, it's, it's city as usual. It's business as usual. They'll get goals. I think their are areas, like Jalen mentioned, come from other parts of the pitch, defensively at times, in the midfield. Um, but overall, I still think that but Erling Holland
2: doesn't do anything but, but good for them because he's, he's scored a majority of their the goals. the lack in potency that you're mentioning and attributing to the wingers is due to Holland's presence. Are you saying that the one deme-
1: what, what's the one dimension you're saying
0: there, just they're just only right? scoring through Holland? Yeah. I think essentially, right? To again to paraphrase quite a
2: bit, what is it? Probably sixty percent of their goals this season have come through one player, and you can tell when you watch City line up and play stylistically, they force the ball to Holland. Yeah. And if Holland is eliminated out of a match, like they United managed to do, he's non existent. They play with nine outfield players. He he sure he can track, he can cover space, he can defend, but I don't think he's that good at shaping um like defensively, directing play, funneling play. I don't think he does that well as a number nine. So I think a lot of the time what did he have? Ten touches in the match against United? Luke Shaw
0: it, had him locked down. Luke Shaw back-pocketed him, Connor. I absolutely agree with you there that he does leave quite a bit to be desired. One thing that you can't question with him is his ability to make a run and stay on sides and his finishing ability. Those are two things you just can never, ever take away from him. But he doesn't do a whole lot of creative work off the ball. I mean, he does make good runs. Again, give him credit for that. But in terms of the buildup, as you've mentioned, and the crucial efficient way of getting the ball up the field that City have become known for, he doesn't really seem like he's that integral to that whole thing. And when he's been, because of this, he's just not that useful looking out there. We know strikers can get phased out of a game when they're not playing well, but he will go without a touch. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that's entirely different. Not asking every striker to be like Benzema or Kane and drop back and make a great pass when they need to. But, I mean, again, I think there is more duty that's now being correctly put onto strikers to be more creative.
3: Right. I also think teams are more competitive and better this season. than They're getting better each year. Also a good point. There's more competition in the top four, top six. Um, There's more threat from multiple teams. Brentford, even a team. Fulham, Brentford, these teams that we usually don't see up this far on the table are making impacts, making waves. And Yes, you can look at City's play at times, but I think you have to give more credit to those teams as well. Being able to break City down a little bit. I I don't think true, but I mean, I I think you do. City is
2: improving at the same rate that those teams are or should. Yeah, but based on their investment,
3: but Liverpool have made. my point is like Liverpool make investment, but they teams figure them out. Like, why can't the same be applied to City in this in this situation?
2: Yes, they're not going to because City have ingrained their style. And luckily, their striker is finishing every chance he gets. But that doesn't mean a team can't figure out how how to break the team down or or get goals in other areas. And they are. Yeah. So so,
3: that's not Holland's fault. That's the, de- that's the
2: defensive... That's it, the it, way is, that, it is his fault because they're easier to figure out this season. It's not his when, fault. When you play with a fluid front three, isn't that harder to on defend a than a singular on a striker? base,
3: but in terms of like their attacking threat and the way that City set up, they are able to break this team down a little bit better. Yes, I think these teams that... City has never been good defensively.
2: Jay,
1: what was your point? I was just going to say, well, Jack Grealish, for one, even though he... Got what? Yeah, I think it was a goal. Was it goal for against United? It was assist. Uh, oh, it was a goal and against then, United and then assist at Chelsea. Assist. Like other than that, like he's been pretty. The the left side of City has been very lackluster in my opinion. Even when Foden's there, he's in my opinion not a winger. Like he scored in the beginning of the season. Him and Holland were linking up like really good, but I don't know. It wasn't sustainable. Marez on the right side. I mean, if Marez isn't in, like. What is it, Julian Alvarez? Could Julian, if Holland was gone, could Julian? Would they play better with Julian Alvarez? I don't know.
2: I think they would.
0: You bring that was exactly what I was just about to ask. Was this is not something that you guys were directly stating, but you did mention that you do think City might be better without Holland. Does that mean you think that they would be better if Alvarez was in the starting lineup? Do you think he makes the wingers better? You know a lot about him as a player. Well, well,
1: personally, I just think if like. Not to bring it back to Holland. Wait, what was your question? Sorry, do you think
0: Alvarez would make City better than Holland in the lineup right now? Do you think there'd be a more well balanced? I think it would be a more
1: familiar style of play than with Holland. But I think Holland, in my opinion, draws more defenders out and it leaves more space for them to do what they want to do. Because what we like, we've seen in the past that like City when City plays against a team and they like against Leeds when they lost, like they had possession the entire time. They had they were like small touches all that stuff but they couldn't get a goal and when you have Holland in the box it spaces out because you're drawing so many defenders in to a central area and it leaves so much more space in my opinion Mm. I don't think personally it's all on Holland I think it's a lot more of a group effort in lackluster areas De Bruyne's having he has 10 assists but I mean we've seen astronomically better seasons and and those assists came much earlier in the season can we
2: blame Pep a
3: little bit too
2: Dude, he had he same. Has, he has the same numbers Hold as Odegaard on, for goal contributions. <laughs> Odegaard's having player of the season. Stats. Dude, there was a point where in seasons where De Bruyne had like 15 or. Like, he could finish with 15 and 10. He could he, finish
1: with. But 20 at and this 10. point, he, he could. But that. a lot it's of those halfway assists. Through did, the season. I'm just early. saying,
2: he had better seasons, Connor. To this point, at the halfway mark, he's yes! had better seasons. Yes! What does he, he register? 25 assists in a season?
1: It's almost been like 21, 22, 23.
2: And to be yeah, fair, he did I'd play through end. the World can, Cup. Can we can we blame Pep a little bit?
1: I
3: don't I, mean, I, don't, I don't want think, to I don't, I, don't. I don't want to, but I think I like if, in terms of like if you want to look at he should realize his team's maybe too one dimensional at times and he should be able to make the switch and be able to have his team bought into Holland. You're not gonna be the outlet every time. Julian Alvarez is gonna come in and do the job if this team is figuring us out defensively. Is it
0: blasphemy to bench Holland? Cuz that's what
3: it would, you yeah, know, that's I what it would it take. Like you yeah. it, imagine if you got benched
0: and, and and Pep said, "Oh, it's a form thing. Also, We're going to try to get goals another way." There would be outrage. No, I don't think you'd bench also, him, but you could to, definitely
2: sell him off at like the also, 65th minute. To clarify, like I think Holland gives them their best chance to win. So like I don't think benching him is necessarily the right, yeah, but right. for long-standing form, if City wants to string see like string a season together like last year, or Centurion season, like I don't think they're going to do that with Holland, but it probably makes them more capable to win in the Champions League, for example, like when they have that pure goal-getter that can change a game with just a few touches. Mm. But like, to Jalen's point, it's like, so if the wingers are not finding form and you want to blame them for not finding their attacking form, it sounds like they should, if anything, they'd be more equipped with Holland in because they have more space, they have more time on the ball, so why are those players not hitting form if Holland is making things easier for them?
1: I, I mean, that's also another one of my points. I just think he adds more than him being one dimension. Like Andrew said, like he has, Pep has to find a way to balance it. I feel like he adds a dimension that they didn't have. Cause no offense, like Aguero and Ferran Torres were like five foot nine. Mm-hmm. Like, and Foden uh, was
3: a nine last season, a false nine. False a nine. Jack,
1: season. Jack Grealish played the false nine a lot. Like they don't have the heading ability. They don't have that finishing tenacity. So I feel like when they have that in the box, it should be easier. For them to be able to score it, even if the wingers can't provide that acute goal scoring ability like Jack Grealish sadly hasn't been able to turn out all the time. I think
2: I think part of that is though. like I I think I could tie I could playing devil's advocate. I could tie that back to Holland because Holland is such a stretch player that. They need a more defensive-minded midfielder, a more of a utility winger in Jack Grealish that is not just that all-out attacker because Holland is always stretched. He's always making runs in behind. So they, if, if they're f- funneling the ball through Holland, like crowded. they need Jack Grealish to be capable of tucking in and defending and covering more ground because they're more vulnerable. But like, if you look back to the days of like...
1: But doesn't that defeat the offensive purpose of Holland if you have a, a defensive winger?
2: Well, does it though? You have to. You have to have some coverage for someone that but is you also that needs, attacking. But minded. you also need support, But we know but, 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 Grealish can offer that. Has he shown it all the time? No, I mean he hasn't. But he even last season we said that Grealish was asked a lot more. Everyone was like, "Oh, why isn't Grealish scoring goals? Why he's asked defensively? He has a lot more responsibility. Back when I look at when City played, it was Aguero, David Silva, and was it Sterling at the time? Yeah. Sterling was in it. Leo like, Sane was in it. Even Even non... That was when Sterling hit his heights and I still don't view Sterling as a pure class player. I think if you play Foden, Alvarez, and maybe Bernardo Silva as the front three in a fluid front three, that's just a very dynamic. But think of how many like think of all like the shit we
1: gave City for like all those crosses they game in that were just easy tapping goals. Just Holland's not really getting that all the time anymore. I don't think City go with I don't think City are where they're at if they didn't have
3: Holland this season. They would have had the same issues. They would have had
2: a transition that they had to go through. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, they would have. They would have
3: been farther down the table, in my opinion. But it's scary to think if Holland does go down or Holland I think doesn't hit form. I think it's a matter of adjusting to a new style of play with a number nine, like you're mentioning. Yes, there is a level of one dimension, one dimensional play through him, but. I think once they figure it out this season, next season they could be
2: absolutely fucking terrifying, and they'll be back yeah, on the top of the it's, table. It's a 10 balance; points out. everything's a balance. But it it is frustrating to watch them attack when like De Bruyne, every time you you know what he's capable of, but every time he picks his head up, he's forcing the ball through Holland. Every time a winger gets space on the in wide areas, they just blindly whip a ball in. Like it seems like. Kyle because Walker he's crossed. been so good, like it's the crosses
0: have become pretty aimless.
2: <laughs> at, yeah. at the Etihad, Walker crosses him speeding
3: down the touchline and then bel- belting it like just <laughs> off the right side of the. There's of no the post still, There's no
1: spin. It's like a knuckleball <laughs> <laughs> cross. Like, forever, right?
0: forever, one of my favorite players. That guy. He's such an anomaly, tr- truly.
1: And I don't disagree with you at all, Connor. I just I I don't
3: know. I don't disagree with it's the just, one. Dimension. I mean, I don't disagree with the one. That's why
2: that's why you trust as a City fan, that's why you trust Pep to figure that out because it's like As a City fan, I trust Pep. <laughs> to <figure that> out. <laughs> and I You're mean, right. he he surely will. Like even if he they're will. going through their transition looks a does. lot better than Liverpool's transition, but it is crazy like the whole the goals that holland has been getting, but like how little it seems like he does even though he does so much. It's like striker. What does he
3: was he have 22 goals right now? I thought that's, that's
2: in the league. In all comps,
0: it's like it's nearly twenty. It's twenty-eight, I think, right through Champions League group it's stages. So that oh, would make well. sense.
2: But like his assist tally, I believe it's twenty-eight. Always can be, probably yeah, like, yeah. Probably like two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his Assists come from his like shots it's that like, are saved and see, then followed dude. up on. <laughs> what <laughs>
3: was the who had the most goals last season? Harry Kane, Son, Son. What was it? Son and Mosala. Mo was it twenty-two? Yeah, I think it was twenty-three.
2: Twenty-three. Wasn't it, it like was like 23, isn't it
1: like 23 and like 17? Like, and like, no no yeah, pens, yeah, no solid. pens for Son though. There's, let me just like five, yeah. pull that out of there's that. Like 5
0: months left in the season. <laughs> no pens. So Son could theoretically still win the Golden Boot is yeah. what I'm hearing.
3: a 4 or whatever. Um months.
0: Um There is a though. club on the other side of the table, the bottom, in a fight for their lives right now. Liverpool? No. <laughs> Mid-table. Same city. Jay, well done. Truly well done. We gotta get the That's shots so we can take them. What are you gonna say if you lose in the UCL? <laughs> oh honestly, my god. Honest, box office.
1: At this point, box in office. my in my Real Madrid uh status, I think we would probably lose.
0: Yeah. you and you'd be like Pep, we've won so much already. <laughs> it doesn't cares? it doesn't matter. Won we beat so them we beat them all
1: last season. It doesn't oh. matter. We're all just crying <laughs> in our rooms as we say. It's it. gonna be some
0: horrible football to watch. But. <laughs> there is a club on the other side of the table from Merseyside. So Jay, you were close. We could tell you about the drama and the tumultuousness and the negative energy and everything bad that's happened, but we're in America. So this week we have what I consider and what I think we all consider to be a massive treat, a longtime follower, an OG follower, and a very loyal follower, a listener, and somebody who always reaches out, is always part of our live watches, someone who always loves chatting in and As I think all four of us put in a lot of work to do this, that really does mean the world, honestly. Mm -hmm. To have somebody that's so devoted and who's so far away, yet we feel like probably knows us really well at this point. (laughs) If you can sit through a Connor and Andrew debate, well, (laughs) you're all right in my book. (laughs) Kyle Curran, big Everton fan, Merseyside local, attends most games, I think, if not all of them. Boots on the ground. He was
3: there. uh, Boots on the ground. This past weekend against Southampton. Uh, but yeah, we have a bit of a, a clip for you guys. We're going to go mics off and we'll play it. It's about three minutes. So um, This is Kyle Curran, Everton local and Everton supporter. Yep, here we go.
4: All right, lads. Just want to say a few thoughts on the uh, current situation in Everton. Um, first of all, the board Tom Sherry compiled. It's never been a real board of directors for a football club. You know, Bill Kemright made his fortunes and career in theatre and movie production. Uh, how does that qualify him to make and decisions? Denise of baxendale our CEO, has a history in charity work. How does that allow you to make informed decisions at Everton? With no better people to fulfil these roles. And Saturday, and he put out a club statement out the board, atten- uh, not attending due to the threat of the safety. To me and many other fans, it, it looked like they were trying to null the protest by doing it. To make us seem like the bad guys to uh, to the outsiders. Who wouldn't really know the situation and just would see us being quite bullish. And when that didn't work, they came out saying that Denise Barrett-Baxendale was put in a headlock by a fan after the Brighton game. Why would it take 11 days to come out and say that? You know, nothing's been reported to police in that entire time, but all of a sudden you think an hour before kickoff of a game where fans plan to protest. They felt like that was the right time. You know, they're not coming back from this, the board. They're never going to be welcomed back at Goodison. They will always find an excuse not to go. The blame they've put on us as fans is completely unacceptable, and it's disgusting. Even in the week building up to the game, Macheri came out in an interview on Talksport, you know, indirectly blaming fans for constant managerial appointments and failures. It's, it's ridiculous, you know. Lastly, on the uh, game on Saturday, I don't agree with what the fan uh, certain fans were doing by approaching players' cars and stuff, and I don't understand what they were trying to get out of it. You know, fair enough to hear he mean meaner getting out and torn to them. But he said, I will give my life for this club. He can't even give 90 minutes for the club. No, but... The football side of things, we can't only blame the board for our league position. Sacking the board won't change the outcome of the games we've got left. No, I, I think that we need a new manager who has a solidified way of playing. I'm good with in-game management because Frank Lampard, unfortunately, doesn't have that. And finally, I think we we need players with better attitudes because a lot of the time we're going into games with only two or three players putting in 100% effort and it's just not good enough.
2: That was Kyle
3: Curran, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I mean, he has the expertise just being a fan, uh, made a couple statements regarding ownership, ownership, um, Specifically, if you want to start out with, I guess, how the the board would, likes to portray the the fan, the fan fanhood of, of Everton.
0: Yeah, that was, I think, the, the biggest draw, obviously, yeah. because he is such a loyal fan right there, like we said, boots on the ground. That was, I think, the thing I at least wanted to know the most about him. I don't know if you guys felt the same. But, um, yeah, I mean, interesting point of how not only the club, but the media as well has really, I think, painted the Everton fans largely to be an issue here and, and the igniter and all of these problems. And
3: obviously there were protests at the stadium. It sounds like, you know, there's a stand in. So at post-match, right. Fans stayed afterwards they hung out, just hung out and protested against the board. Banners. But there was a threat, I guess, made. Um, we had P- Peacock on whatever NBCSN. I don't even know anymore, but <laughs> they were talking pre-match about a threat made to the board um, which basically prevented them from going. We're to told, the, do not come, to, do the not game to, come today. to the stadium. So that's where there might have been. It may have been blown, blown out of proportion or maybe not, but we do know that a majority of Everton fans don't want to harm the ownership. It's right. just it's one a, idiot or two idiots or whatever, you know, did something stupid.
0: For sure. And I think where he comes from and where we as fans all come from is that it's extremely difficult to feel oftentimes so powerless in something that means so much to you. I imagine his passion for his club is triple or quadruple. You know what I feel for mine. Again, this is something he's lived and breathed since he grew up. So in defensive fans overall, I mean, obviously the, the obvious things are what we never condone. You hear of something heinous happening. Obviously that's not something that the vast majority wants ever to happen, but it's really frustrating to feel so powerless and so uninvolved in something that occupies your brain and your heart and your head all day and all night and everything that you wake up and live and breathe is your football club. So that's what I think he, he's hurt by uh, in terms of how he feels that they're being portrayed as these goonish thugs who just show up with lighters and rockets and want to make a mess of everything and, and hooliganism when in fact they're just a really frustrated group of hardworking people who love their club more than anything and hate like hell to see them look like how they look right now, which I totally understand. You know, uh, we've all had owners that make us not want to be alive and make us want to throw things and freak (laughs) out and scream and yell. I have one right now, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it it sucks to, to again, feel like you have so little power over something that you're, it's your life. It's it's your, it's your genealogy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I
2: mean, the one thing that you can trust about fans and not business is that fans will always have the best interest of the club at stake, like at stake. Like that's what they're there. There's no money. They're not <laughs> you know making I mean? any money. <laughs> like, You're yeah, yeah. spending they're your own spending money, money. money, thousands yeah. and
0: thousands of dollars every season on this. So I- it's like when someone is at the stadium screaming and yelling and they're not employed by the club, you're like, this guy must mean business. They must mean something. <laughs>
2: right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the commitment of the fans, especially in, like, Liverpool, I mean, they're known for their diehard fans. And <clears throat> Merseyside, that's what makes the rivalry so Working great. Working class um, in, um, Yeah, and they, city. they work hard for their coin. But as you look at what the ownerships are kind of doing and painting this picture – of fans. It just seems so unfair. You know we, what? we, uh, he had mentioned the talk sport interview,
3: uh, where the owner went on, spoke with, um, Simon Jordan and Moshiri Moshiri spoke with, yep. I forget the other, um, talk sport pundit, but basically Jim, Jim Broadstein. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't quote us on that. Yeah, don't
3: quote us on that at all. Um, but basically he went on and, and talked about the money spent saying that I, you know, I put my best foot forward, put my money where my mouth is I, I invest. Players here, coaches there, uh, new stadium, um, and yeah, that's all. That's all appreciated when you when you do put your money where your mouth is. But Simon Jordan's point was mostly around the fact that he's not taking responsibility for failed investment, which is something that people I feel like kind of throw a blind eye at. Like people, are like, oh, they spent all this money, they should be successful. No, you spend money on the wrong players, on the wrong staff, um, wrong scouting. Report like wrong scouting, wrong board, right everything, that's yeah, like wrong everything. This it, it leads to tumultuous, um, a tumultuous organization that leads to no success. And you can't just say that I did this for you because you asked for it. This like I like I shouldn't be guilty. No, like you should, you should hold responsibility. You are the owner of the club. Owners of clubs have a job to do their are businessmen and they need to get things done that leads to success for the club. And that's not happening right now. So there there is responsibility to to be
2: put on him as an owner some of the statements if you look into the statements that he made like if you think football ownership boils down to spending money when you have (laughs) bucket loads of it you Mm. clearly don't know the ins and outs of how to run a club and as Kyle points out like these guys in their previous positions the board um, those individuals obviously it comes from the ownership but None of them are cut out to run a football club and the statements that they make don't back that up at all. And then also the fact that they're willing to jeopardize the relationship with the fans like that right there in an eight minute talk sport clip, you can understand that like these guys are not these members because there is a CEO as a woman, um, but they're not cut out to run a football club by any means just like, Imagine Boley, he spends all this money, and then all of a sudden it's just like, well, spent the money. Looks like it's not going to work this out. This is what you wanted, right? You wanted new players, right? Isn't that what you wanted? And, and it's worse than that because he now has put Everton in a position with how long he's been an owner, the spending that he's accrued and the debt that he's accrued over the time in charge or at the helm, the club is financially bound for years to come. Mm. So he took over. 2016, I think, is when he purchased majority share in Everton. He sold his stake. He held a minority stake in Arsenal, sold that in order to purchase, and then um, eventually it was passed where I think he had 94% ownership of Everton. And within the first two years, he made something along the lines of like a $240 million investment. And if I were to read some of the players that he invested in at the time, Like, it's just... Quite the laundry list. It's flop after flop, and you're going to hear that. I think he invested, in his first two years in charge, he invested in 19 players, five of which, at the end of the two years, were starters. The rest, non-existent, needed to be sold. Basically, hot garbage. And these are players that are coming in at an expensive expensive transfer cost, and then also are on a relatively good wage. Names that he purchased, I mean, 2016-17, Yannick Belasi... Morgan Schneiderlin, um, Adamola Lookman, mm. Idrissa Gaye is one that um, panned out. DCL, another one that you could say panned out, especially because they were bought for... Those were minimal and you purchases. you could
0: say they panned out.
2: You could. Right. Right. But, but they Gay were cheap. Idrissa Gaye was a really Yeah, and really he good only was 7 signing, mil. DCL yeah. was 1.5. And then you go to the, the following season, like 44 mil. Spent on Gilfie Sigurdsson, like we all know how that worked out. Pickford was one of his good buys, but that's five out of nineteen. Like your business, your spend, and that has continued. I mean, over the last season, I think I had an article up um, just in the last three seasons. So I was just speaking on the first two seasons in charge in the um, pre the last three seasons. So most recently, um, I think he spent. Where is it? I'll find it in a second. But he's oh he spent well an annual loss so this this past spring the club posted an annual loss so just in a year they lost 121 million pounds and it takes their three-year deficit to 372 million and they're also they face financial fair play like we worry that Chelsea is getting backed into a corner with financial fair play at least they keep the contract length in mind in order to offset that a little bit it still puts them in a bad position but now they can't purchase players they're 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 about to go down potentially they fought it off last season but they can't buy players now think of that year it, it was like allen's
1: not there anymore uh James. James isn't there anymore um who else i mean rondon you could say maybe um but, yeah, there's players that... Like, Jamez was a free, I think. Wasn't he free? It, or if it was a low... But he was probably on an astronomical wage. Mm. Yeah, his wages yeah, were you. high. Weeklies were and up there. And I think
3: that's one of the things last season we talked about when they were struggling was the fact that they had spent so much money pr- seasons <clears> prior, which were going to have massive implications on how they were going to be able to spend in the windows you know, seasons ahead. So, yeah, I mean, hearing it from Kyle, he talked about coaching and player select, uh, selection, he mentioned how two to, two to three players, which is probably fair, maybe maybe more, but there's a handful of players that show up and go out there to perform. The rest seem like they don't really care. And I think last season that was an issue when they were trying to fight for promotion or fight, um, fight to stay alive in, in the Premier League was Frank Lampard needed players that were willing to give their all. Every single match, because when you're in relegation, it's a dogfight. It's literally mean scrapping, men. scrapping <laughs> in the trenches. You're, you're scrapping wins. You're, you're doing anything you can to, to grab three points. And that they're now they started in a position where everything was a le- uh, level playing field, and it's slowly trickled to this point of bottom of the table, relegation is again on the horizon, and they st- they can't invest in more players. They can't buy more players from. Championship le- uh, clubs or lower table clubs, I mean, they're the lowest point in the, in the league, but in terms of like how Everton are as a football club, they can't go out and buy There's clubs. not even name recognition yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. to be
0: honest, who the hell wants to join Everton Football yeah. Club right now?
1: Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah.
0: even, the, even somebody in the championship would be like, Uh, eh, I'll take oh, my chances had, uh, with Derby County. They had, they had
1: Andre Gomez.
0: Andre yep. Gomez. Andre oh Gomez. Where,
3: where are Dang. all these players going? Where do they go? I don't know. Dele Alley. Oh, first
0: and, Townsend, he used to be at Everton. Yeah, Damari Gray, he's still at Everton. Still
1: but. He's probably only he's probably one of the players, I would say, it's play him. plays for the badge.
0: Mm.
3: Him probably took off. Yeah, I'm
0: trying to Cody. think of who those, the handful of players that uh, Kyler mentioned. Jordan Pickford, got to be up there. He's somebody that undoubtedly gives 100% every game. Anthony Demar- Gordon, maybe? Anthony Gordon. I think he's fallen off this season. Yeah, though. he's Demar- fallen Demar-
1: off a bit. Chelsea were about to buy him for like $80 Demar- million. Yeah, yeah, Damari Demar- Demar- Gray, definitely. Um I wouldn't even put Dominic calvert in there.
0: Yeah, he's not been healthy enough either way. He's not been a I maybe. Also, I would
1: maybe say a Wobi. Would would say Onana. Onana, yeah, I I would say like five. I'd say
3: five yeah.
2: players really go out there, and that's <laughs>
3: that's less than half. Well, even them playing
2: their best, it doesn't mean necessarily mean that they're four it, Yeah, it is doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. No, yeah, it, it doesn't. Right, yeah, so. and I think also what.
1: Oh, what, Coleman, but he's like. Coleman he's like 45
0: I think what also stuck out to me too was and obviously Kyle represents not every single Everton fan I'm sure there are a large chunk that are still supportive but it sounds like maybe Frank Lampard is yeah. not one over Evertonians they might need somebody at this point like we've joked in the past but like a Neil Warnock type someone who's not gonna not gonna f around when they get to town they're gonna they're gonna say i know exactly what this is this is a save the sinking ship project we need to do enough to finish 17th and that's it and and anything better than that is a massive plus but i i I can't say frank lampard fills me with confidence when i think of him on the everton sideline i I like him as a manager i do want it to work out because i think he does i feel like
1: i feel like the fans like him
0: I think they would like him Jay but I, it doesn't sound like they're that he's confident not, he's, Again, he's not like a bad guy. They might no, like him not, though. But
1: no no he I'm, not, them I'm, out yeah, last I'm not season, I'm not I'm you not know speaking tactically at all. Oh, I'm just yeah. saying Grant like Grand Potter's as, not as a
2: bad guy the but line, like, yeah no I think I he's think not he's full of emotion yeah but a fan like, they, like it's it's reasonable to be excited about Frank Lampard. I mean obviously English legend um but like this is like you go down to the championship and you're fighting a whole different battle. And as clubs have previously shown Sunderland, the purest example, when you go down, it is not easy to come back Even Nor- up. Even Norwich Leeds, is mid-table championship, yeah. and they were, so, might not be seeing them for it's a like, while. You need, as Tristan points out, like you need a man that knows how to get out of this position. Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce would be perfect. He's not
0: there. No one's there to make friends I at mean, this point. You're showing
2: up to training, and you are going to sink or swim. <laughs> and Steve Bruce might be another example. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like, And these are guys that can also do it with a shorthanded roster. They can do it with nobody's they can do it with no names they can get 11 guys playing for the badge to dig yourself out of whatever hole at least for a season i'm not saying that it's any sort of long-term solution but
0: who's where's dean smith he's got to be getting he got sacked. he got from norwich
2: so know. you know, Who did, know. Did sam br- save from relegation west Brom. west Brom. no they got i thought relegated. he saved them first oh he was there twice
3: yeah
1: the first they, time he'd save them.
3: No, he's, he wasn't there twice. He, are, you are you sure? sure? Yeah,
1: yeah, hundred percent sure. So who did he save? I think
3: he think saved he Everton. Saved I no, didn't he didn't save s- Everton.
2: I think he saved. I think he saved them one season.
1: Regardless. Right, yeah, regardless. regardless. Sorry, I, I was just confused because I don't know. I think um, the reputation precedes him. Frank Lampard but. isn't
3: the guy for this for this position at the moment, in my opinion, on a tactical level. And on an experience level, yeah, he did it last season, but I think a lot of it was sort of... Um, he needs a sunny day, is uh, how
0: I would put it. Frank Lampard needs, I think, a lot of things to be working and firing on all cylinders for him to have success. Yeah, exactly. And right. that's putting it pretty lightly. I think that he has a, a definitely a future on a sideline, but I do think he rose pretty too too fast for his own good. Getting yeah. the Chelsea job was too quick to get a job like that. And then goes to the hardest job in the league and, last and, season. And then, then the, obviously the natural progression <laughs> is past, to then go from a club yeah. that's supposed to be at the top of the table to a club that's in dire need of a mm-hmm. fresh new face. And Everton was just the wrong batch mm-hmm. or a club of that the whole hardest batch. Job the hardest league. job. Hardest so.
3: job in the league last year at the, at the time. He Never been down. relegated, Yeah,
0: Everton. It's hard. Never and, been and relegated. are one of the OGs. Like, Nobody of, wants to be involved with being the first relegated Everton side. So
2: I do. Think that a little bit of like player attitude being an issue. I think that comes from management. Like, I think if you have the right guy at the helm, he can curve the attitude as we see a Ten Hog do, we see an Arteta do. And it seems like Frank, as much as like he might understand the game, he can turn a little bit sour and not really keep everyone on his side. I mean, it happened at Chelsea. You can see right through his frustrations, you can see a, the stress levels. I mean, that he's put under is enormous, but, like, it shows. It shines right through with Frank. So I think when it comes to attitude, players look to him. They probably want to get out of the situation just as much as any fan would, but then they turn to Frank, and you can kind of see that uneasiness, that unassured tactics it might be, how he runs training sessions. Who knows? But that's why I think a manager switch is their best hope at getting out. Um, Just like Kyle said, Mashiri said the complete opposite he said we have two crucial matches coming up he made the statements prior to the Southampton match they go out and lose that match against another relegation battled team like they're they're gonna have to just get ready for it too but which again shows the disconnect between ownership and fans that's right. going on right now so and frankly does, like the relationship is tarnished I don't think there's any coming back from this we've seen fans be very very upset with owners but usually the owner just keeps their mouth shut, trusts what they're doing, hopes that it turns around and they are able to right the ship as kind of... I mean, United ownership has done that a little bit. The Glazers, like, they were able to curve it and kind of go out on a high note. They don't really say anything. But, like, look at Arsenal. (laughs) They really don't. Kroenke knew. He listened to to Arteta. They brought Arteta into all the meetings and, like, that kind of got them going in the right direction despite protests from Arsenal fans. But... When you come out and speak against the fans, like what what are you doing, man? Like that's you might as well sign your death warrant at that point. Like sell the fucking club. It's it's yeah. about time. And uh real um, Ferdinand's like, why don't you just buy the club, Everton? <laughs> I'll never yeah, forget. Quit that. crying and buy
0: the club I'll if you got problems, problems that,
1: with it. Yeah. Uh, that's all that's all time.
0: It really is. Thank you again, Kyle. It won't be the I'm last you're like, hearing of him. No. I hope it's under better circumstances, right? I don't just want to. Every time like they're in dire need, his cell phone starts ringing, and then we're like, hey, it's the Howler's Podcast again. <laughs> we heard you, you guys are uh, in a terrible place. Mercy side is up in flames. You feel like sending us a few. Uh... So hopefully next time we talk to him, it's under slightly better circumstances. But thank you again, Kyle, for sending that along. Are you in Mercy side right now? We need you to go. D- boots on the ground. We need yeah. you to give us a scope. This is important. <laughs> yeah. To close things out, a little bit of drama. Not to just over drama, everybody, but more drama at the Amex right now. Is a rather important Brighton player. Leandro Trossard is at pretty significant odds with the club. Hasn't been on the team the last two matches. Does not train with them any longer. He and the coach are at odds. I don't know, not to make it too general, but what are your guys' thoughts on this? It sounds like some of us are are pro Zerbi, pro or pro Trossard. I, I.
4: I'll
3: go Jay? With, uh, no, no, Andrew go. Andrew? I'll go, I'll go, uh, I'm pro Zerbi, and I think Pro Zerbi. Yeah, pro Zerbi.
0: That sounds like a, an erectile dysfunction. Right? <laughs> well I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, keep going Pro <laughs> Serpy
1: um, We <sorry>. were, um, <laughs> when we first started in the, uh, the, uh, chat and we, like, saw the agent, like, his, like, posted thing We were, like, we were, like, we were, like fuck him, we're, like, fuck that manager, draw starts up, blah, 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 blah And then, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. the manager kind of came out today and he was, like, you know, like, everyone kind of knows what happened, uh it's it's not like I, I was, like, out of left field with this. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. He didn't see. He,
0: he right. Said, yeah. yeah.
1: All good. But basically, he was just saying everyone knows what happens. Like, if he if he comes back with the right attitude, I would love to coach him. Like, and I don't know. That seemed a little bit more sincere than, like, that kind of message that the agent, like, it's your it's your job to do that for a yeah. player. But I don't know. It just seemed like two completely different styles. And just, like, right. I got more from the manager one. So, I mean, he could be playing nice for all. I know he could be an asshole in the dressing room. But That's
0: what maybe he was covering up, like, how he really acted towards know, and then like, he goes to the camera and he's like, look, I told him if he wants to come back, I'll happily it's coach just him. Like, it's just it's like really- the way
1: he said, like, everyone in the dressing room saw what happened. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it didn't seem like it was just like a singular moment between him. Like, there was witnesses. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't want to say I'm not pro to either side. I would rather say I agree more with the manager's statement.
2: Yeah. I think you have to trust the manager, right? Like You, you have, have to figure that if he is just up there on the stand, the press conference mic, telling lies to the rest of the team, he's going to lose all trust. There's, more, there's more on the he's line gonna, for him. Yeah, he's going to lose the dressing room. 100%. I think as more and more unfolds about what's going on with Trossard, it seems clearer and clearer that he's acting like a twerp and yeah, just banging his fists on the walls because he wants out of Brighton all of a sudden. like Went to the World Cup. Prior to the World Cup, Brighton were looking to sign an extension, had full intention of doing so. He comes back, gets in the side a little bit, and then all of a sudden his performance doesn't necessarily hinder. Like He's a quality player, but his effort in training. He got into a scuff with a player in training. I looked, turned into a local Brighton um, footy pod, and it's it might be Lewis Dunk was the player. Um, How fucking dare he? Virgil van Dunk? The, the only... Evidence behind that is that Trossard unfollowed Lewis Dunk on Instagram. So that's messed um, up. As they Give said, him the share. if they said that, <laughs> as they said, it's like that's that schoolboy stuff. Like yeah. that's if that's actually happening. But you would also, if Lewis Dunk is the player, you would assume that Lewis Dunk might have called Trossard on his lack of commitment in training and be like, you need to fucking raise your levels. You're one of our best players. Mm-hmm. If you train at a low level, it's going to impact the morale of the team because Dunk is a captain of Brighton, Mm -hmm. I believe. Right. Yep. Um, so I think it's Trossard causing a stink trying to get out. And it's kind of silly to me because it's going to lower his value He's in contract until the summer. And I think Brighton still have the option to extend. and they are good salesmen. It's up to Brighton. If Trossard wants to go, it's not up to Trossard. No matter how big of a fuss he makes uh, and they can silence him.
3: I didn't explain, I guess my pros or everything, but from the press conference that we saw, (laughs) it was, uh,
1: I'm
2: pro Zerby,
3: yeah, well, so, but yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm deserby, so it doesn't sound as much like uh, yeah, Ed. Right. But <laughs> right. um, I should have said Ed. Like I said, there's more on the line for him. And then he mentioned how this this isn't Barcelona, this isn't Real Madrid, this is this is Brighton, and like we need every player playing on this like on the same levels
2: at maximum effort,
3: maximizing effort exactly. So I think mm. he, he's not just pulling out of his ass. No, like that is him. He's trying to. He has. He has a job that. He's been doing extremely well at, for and sure. And he cannot risk that. And I think make, st- starring a lie would create a multitude of issues. Like, Conor why would it. he want? You that. both make very good that. points. It's, it's also yeah.
1: like Brian's not doing bad at all. Under no. him. so that's no. another no. thing that I'm just like he's. It's not like he's just like spitting like
2: yeah, like some. You already said bullshit. they found their replacement. Like yeah, is <laughs> yeah, not yeah true. And That's like, true.
1: So like if they were losing and he's and like it just seemed like the manager was being a head case, like we've seen it before. Like yeah. they just like have to defend themselves Great or whatever. Point. So like I don't know, they're winning, like winning against good opponents, like the agent's
2: statement was so. Sick agents are too. like always. They're so, so grimy, grimy, I they're so grimy. Like, I don't. I don't
1: I do not they're not in it for the football. Why would a manager? Not. Why would a manager talk to you after that? Yeah, so like he's just gonna be like, yeah. I'm gonna focus on the team and right. not focus on your pettiness. Like, Tro- and I'm yeah. like not an gonna indi- individualize. Trosan
2: walked out of training, claiming he explained the injury with medical staff and like and Deserby doesn't know Because that's them. what like, medical on, staff
0: man. love is to be explained an in injury. That's yeah. <laughs> one thing I know that they love is expertise of someone who has no medical degree. They would love <laughs> to get notes. So, like, and it's,
2: he might have walked off because he's like, oh, I'm just going to throw in the towel. Like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. Need to train. I mean,
0: you guys have absolutely, I think, hit the nail on the head um, in your own ways. And also, like, Connor, I think the, the best point you made, obviously, was you can't just you turn if everyone turns against the coach that's the end of the club for, for the time being you have <laughs> yeah. to then find a new manager and then it becomes a literal new project so yeah i don't know and and as i said brighton are they know how to sell he's basuma they got what they asked for uh ben white they got what they asked for and then some i think and then mm-hmm. i think there was a third
3: player Mape that they sold that's right Just got a like a I don't twenty five million. They know points.
0: how to make some money off these guys. So if Trostar's not careful, they'll just flip a huge bargain off him, and he'll just sit there and rot. And until... they'll send him somewhere he might not want yeah, to go. Exactly. Yeah, Al Masser. They yeah. might come looking. They're like, well, we, they're going to give us hundred mil for you. So pack your bags. And they would have to
1: axe. One pack your flip flops.
2: Domestic players. So they just caught them. Yeah. Hey, i about milk
1: game. Liverpool for Caicedo?
2: <laughs> yeah, fine by me. I don't. I don't. Yeah, care. right. Connor's like, please pay whatever. Yeah, for him. if Hendo doesn't
1: kill him, before but then. even
2: like Brighton milking, it'll be the the last for thirty or thirty five. Like he's so young, Brighton, in the smaller market. But oh, I no, think I, Trossard, don't know, I don't know what market you're in. Trossard, <laughs> eight, eight days ago. The Prem tax there chart, was right? uh, some links to Arsenal. So because they missed out on Mooder. I think
3: that's a bad signing for them because Arteta has his team tight, and I think if he was to sign someone like
2: Trossard, who seems to be a problem. That was before the fallout, though. That was just like when it was like initial transfer rumors of Trossard, and then like now this is all unraveling. Maybe they'll go to Everton.
3: Ooh, With join Mape?
0: You think that would be the ultimate punishment? (laughs) Like, here you go, man. (laughs) Yeah, we are literally throwing you into the fire. No offense, Kyle, I'm sorry. No offense, Kyle, but I think even Kyle would agree, you know? That's, that's kind the, of the, the
2: player. He wouldn't even be able to leave the stadium. Yeah, like, right. Barricaded in. That's us this week.
3: That's us, folks. That's a wrap. And we'll see you all very soon. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining the Howlers podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our link tree and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. See you all soon. Bye-bye.